Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Tonight we're gonna we're gonna review real brief. Last month we talked about community, right? I'm sure y'all are so tired of hearing about that. But let me give you some good feedback. Man, all the leaders we're seeing community skyrocket here. You know, we're seeing everybody y'all certainly more responsive in a in a service, that's for sure. And so that's good. Um I'm loving the diversity of the groups. I just think it's really cool. Um all the changes that are taking place is positive stuff. And so we uh the leaders and I have have been strategic about what I'm preaching, when I'm preaching it, and why I'm preaching it. Um and so we did community the last month, but what what what's next is gonna be evangelism. And so there's a reason behind that. It's because once you have community, you you wanna you wanna bring people to Jesus, you know? Um because we have a we have a life on this earth and, and we're supposed to enjoy our life. You know, God says that we have a a purpose in this life, but he says his purpose is that we would have an abundant life. And so that's good. But when this life's over with, we want to bring people with us to the next life. Right? We don't want to just we don't want to just have fun here and get ours and go to heaven and other people don't get their shot. Right? So that's that's a lead into evangelism. I'm gonna open up with, with two scriptures, okay? Acts one, um, the beginning of Acts one we read, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just a few days, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to get a water ran up to me up here real quick. Man, I can't help it. I'm singing up there, and <sighs> my throat gets dry. Okay, and then the next scripture, Acts 4, 11 through 12 says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So that speaks a lot right there. A lot of people these days think if you're a good person, you go to heaven. Or as long as you follow whatever religion it is that you follow, as long as you do a good job, like if you're a good, if you're Buddhist and you're a good Buddhist, well, you go to heaven. Or if you're a Muslim and you're a good Muslim, well, then you go to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. And so this is hitting at the core purpose of evangelism. Um, so last week we, we had our small groups and the last couple questions um, were, one, what does the term evangelism mean to you? And we had a lot of different answers, but to, to sum most of them up, there's, there's four common answers. Number one is, what is that? So a lot of people never even heard of that before. Um, that's the second thing. I've never heard of that before. Um, the third was a traveling preacher like Billy Graham was a response. And then we had a couple that said, going door to door, sharing Christ. Um, another question that we asked is, have you ever evangelized? Uh, one of the answers was, 
Um, there's no way that I could do that. Uh, it's not that, you know, you were ashamed of Jesus or anything like that. It's just it was a little intimidating to you. The other one was evangelism sounds very intimidating and scary. And then uh, another popular one was it seems awkward. So um, all those responses are totally normal and expected. You know, that's, uh, that's not a surprise to any leaders. And first, let me say um, that evangelism can be all of those things that you mentioned. It can be awkward. It can be scary. It can be weird. It can feel forced. Um, it can feel intimidating. Um, but it doesn't have to be, and it's not supposed to be. And so we'll, we'll lead into that. So the truth is this. Evangelism's a very broad topic, and um, I love talking about it because um, the Bible talks about the gift of evangelism, and, and I think I have that because that's what I'm fascinated with, and usually that's a good indicator. Um, so in, in light of that, um, I, I, would, I would have to take, man, three months to talk about evangelism and cover it in its entirety, probably, especially as much as I like to talk, so. Um, so if we look at it, it can be many different things. It can be a traveling preacher. It can be going door to door. It can be doing missions work, whether that be local missions or overseas missions. It can be inviting people to church, etc. It can look a lot of different ways, but I'll simplify it real quick. Um, evangelism is simply sharing Jesus with people around you in a genuine, loving, and natural way. All right, that's how that's that's my personal definition of evangelism. Simply sharing Jesus with people in a genuine, loving, and natural way. That's it. So next week we're going to talk about how to do that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover the how to aspect of evangelism. Um, and although it can look like a lot of different things, um, my experience with evangelism and and my preferred way of evangelism is something I call practical evangelism. And to me. That's the most comfortable form of evangelism, and because it's more comfortable, it's more natural, and because it's more natural, it's more fruitful. Does that make sense? All right, good. Y'all awake out there, huh? All right. Okay, so let's get started for today. Today we're going to talk about a few key things that you have to start with before you can start evangelizing. We're going to bring back the scriptures that we read earlier. Um, let's see. Okay. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. So Jesus is telling his disciples, do not leave. Like, hold on, guys. I know you're anxious, but wait, don't leave until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John the Baptist baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will baptize. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's where that term witnessing comes from. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me stop right there. If you look at a map, Jerusalem is where they are. It's right where they are at. And then as it goes out, Judea is a little further out, Samaria is a little further out than that, and then the ends of the earth is pretty obvious, it's the ends of the earth. So, and then we'll go to, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. 
You guys ever heard of that, a cornerstone? So, you know, a building has to have a, a solid cornerstone or it'll fall down. And so what it sounds like, it's the stones on the corner. Um, if you don't have solid cornerstones, you have a weak structure. And so right here we read, that build that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. It's the key thing. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So step one, as Christians, we have a great message to get out, right? That's the gospel. And let's sum that up real quick. I like to, I like to make sure I know how to tell the gospel in, in under a minute. And I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, intro. So the gospel in under a minute. We're all sinners. You can't escape that. We're all born flawed, and even the best deeds that we could possibly do could not earn us into heaven. There's no man righteous enough to make it to heaven, not one. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus said, over my dead body will you go to hell. He didn't even create hell for us. He created it for Satan and fallen angels. And so he said, over my dead body will you go to hell. I want you in heaven. So I'm going to come down, live a perfect life. And instead of trying to do all these works and stuff and just, you know, nearly kill yourself trying to accomplish a task that you you can't accomplish anyway, this is all you got to do. All you got to do is ask me to come into your heart, confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that I, that I am I am your Lord, that I died for your sins. If you do that, I'll make sure you get to heaven. It's paraphrased. So that's 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 step one, right? There's so there's no salvation in anybody else. It's Jesus. And step two, um, you're not to do this on your own wit and strength. Because to be honest with you guys, we may be some cool people, but but we can't get nobody to heaven either. And and we can't convince anybody to get to heaven right here. We've got to meet them right here. And the only way we can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So the key point of this message, the, the whole theme of this message is going to be the bedrock of evangelism. That's what I'm titling this. It's the bedrock of evangelism. Before I get into the practical how-tos, how to tell people about Jesus and stuff like that, before I get into that, we got to understand one thing. There's a foundation that we have to have before we can do that. Um, first, we must have a first-hand, healthy personal relationship with Jesus. So, step one, when we have our own experience with God, and have a personal relationship with him, we naturally desire to share him with others. We just naturally desire. We don't have to make ourselves want to share Jesus. When we have a personal relationship and we have experiences with Jesus, we want to share that with people. We look at Jeremiah 29, okay? It says, but if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He can't help himself. He has to talk about the Lord, right? He has to talk about the Lord. Um, then we go to John 9, 13 through 25. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Okay, so the religious people are, um, and I hate this mic. The, the religious people um, are, are making a big deal about the fact that Jesus did a miracle on the Sabbath. 
says, so therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But the others asked, how can a sinner do such a miraculous sign? So they were divided. Finally, they turned against again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet? The Jews, the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. So they can't explain this. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. And so you think about this. The parents are in the middle of these religious, these angry religious people who are who they ain't happy about Jesus showing up on the scene. Jesus is messing up these people's theology. All right. They had it all figured out before Jesus showed up. Now Jesus showed up and they ain't too happy about it. He's doing all these miracles. He's, he's getting all this attention. He's taking attention from them. And man, these are those prideful Pharisees we're reading about. So the parents are in the middle of that. And their response is, hey, man, he's, he's old enough. Go, go ask him. I don't, I'm out of this, you know? So he knows he's in a, he knows he's in a bind. Um, so let's see where I left off. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogues. Man, that was like a huge social status issue right there. You didn't want to be put out of the synagogues. So that is why his parents said, he is, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. This is the part right here I love, okay? I love this guy's response. So he's getting accused, accused, accused. He didn't have a Bible, all right? This guy just got healed. He didn't have a Bible. He had no theological, he had no theological material to argue and debate these guys with. This is his response. He says, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. I love that response. That is what happens when somebody has an experience with God. Really, you can't explain an experience with God. You can just tell the story of it. And an example of that is, is one in my life. You know, I was, I was an atheist before I got saved for a couple of years, and I just did not believe in God. And so what happened was when I got saved, guess who, man, this thing's getting me. Um, guess, guess who my friends were? All atheists. And so, man, they would come, they would come at me with all these I mean, deep theological questions. And, and really, all I could tell them was, dude, dude, I don't know how to answer that question. But man, I used to smoke weed every day. I tried to quit and I couldn't quit. I used to get drunk every day. I tried to quit and I couldn't quit. I used to cuss all the time, like in, in inappropriate places. I tried to quit and I couldn't. And all of a sudden, boom, I stopped. I don't know how to explain that. I can't. I can't refute that theologically with you or I can't debate that with you. That's just what happened. That's just what happened. See, whether the same response, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I was just once I was blind and now I see, you know. And let's jump to uh, another spot where Acts 4, and this is, y'all just stick with me. I know it's a lot of scripture, but man, um, just the Bible paints the picture so much better than I can. So that's why I read it. All right. So in Acts 4, 
the priests and the captain of the temple guard said, oh, and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. So Peter and John, they got arrested for talking about Jesus, and they just, man, they chilling in jail. It says, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew about about 5,000. So check this out. Once again, we see two guys who have a relationship with Jesus. They had an experience with Jesus. They got thrown in jail for it, and people are still coming to Christ because of them. They're sharing Jesus wherever they are. Nowhere is inappropriate to share about Jesus. And these guys are living it. And look, how many? Number grew by about 5,000. Man, talk, talk about revival, huh? That's, that's, that's amazing. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas. Yeah, him. John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act that is shown to a crippled man and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands here before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to which men can be saved. This, this part, I want you to, I want you to listen to this part. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished that they took note and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. You can be with Jesus. That's got to be part of the bedrock of evangelism. Goes on to say, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they're bringing this case against these guys and they're having an issue that these guys showed up on the scene and they're talking about Jesus still. They just can't get rid of this Jesus guy. They crucified him, they killed him, but things are still happening. People are raising the dead. I mean, just all these things are happening. And it says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there in front of them, there's nothing they could say. They couldn't deny the experience. They couldn't deny the experience. They didn't like it, but they couldn't deny the power of God. Chris Valentin, uh, he said this quote, and I love it. I love it says, a man with an argument has no power over a man with an experience. A man with an argument has no power over a man with an experience. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in, the, in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, and get this, Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight 
to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So when you encounter the Lord, when you encounter Jesus, when you have an experience with Jesus, you can't help but tell people about it, right? You can't help it. You just, you gotta, you gotta say it. So we look at another point. We can't just have an experience with Jesus. We have to plug into him daily. And remember, as I'm saying all this stuff, this is the bedrock. I want to keep reiterating that. This is the bedrock, the very foundation. You got to have this before you can share Jesus, okay? Apart from Jesus, our words are just that. They're words. And and we'll reach people's minds. We'll reach people intellectually. But if we don't have Jesus, we won't have the anointing on the words we're speaking to, to, to reach more than just their mind. At that point, we're really not doing much. We're, 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 we're teasing their intellect, but that's really all we're doing. We're providing a good argument, but that's really all we're doing. If your words are anointed, if, if, if Christ is in you, you're reaching their heart, you're reaching their soul, and that is where, that's where life change happens, okay? So, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says the same thing twice. He just words it differently because he wants to make sure you get it, you know? And look, I, I'm standing here. I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. There are times that I forget that. You know, I, I think that I'll just, I'm just going to get up here and preach without praying or, or something like that. And it's not fruitful, you know? Trust me. Um, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Jesus is saying, right? You know, we always read, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Look what the context is. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit Showing yourselves to be my disciples. We can invite Jesus to be a part of our daily lives. Whenever we do that, whenever we ask Jesus to be part of even the smallest details in our lives, he takes the smallest, most insignificant thing and turns it into a story that you can share with people. I'll give you one. So my dad owns a business and he has a couple of different businesses and he was looking to expand to Lafayette and he still plans on doing so and so for a while I was looking for land for him and man we had about four places to put his business you know to where we can build um, or four options and you know they were all you know decent places and decently priced except for one there was one place that was probably about twenty thousand dollars too high and um and my dad's a He's a smart businessman. He knows when not to spend what you're not supposed to spend. And that was the best location. I mean, it was prime location. It was in Youngsville. Y'all know Youngsville's booming right now. 
It's in that area on a, on Youngsville Highway, right next to Cart Ranch. Any of y'all know where Cart Ranch is? So um, we look in, and it's like, man, it's a good spot. But I, I know my dad's not going to pay that much. And so I went home, and no big deal. You know, I was by myself at my house, and I was just spending my own time with the Lord. And, man, as I'm trying to, to pray, I had I had an agenda that night. I had stuff I wanted to pray about. Hey, God, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. You know, and so I was praying to the Lord, and I just couldn't get the land off my mind. And so I said, all right, well, I guess I, I can't stop thinking about this land. I'll pray about it. Lord, I don't know why you're putting this land on my mind. Maybe it's my thoughts, but it keeps coming. So I'm going to pray about it and take it off my mind. So as I'm praying, I feel the Lord burdening me to get in my truck and drive to the land. Now, this land is, look, we're not getting this piece of property. This is 20000 more than what my dad's willing to pay. And the other ones are expensive on his radar, too. Okay, so that's that's not something that's that's really fixing to happen. So I feel like the Lord tell me, go to the property. It's like 1030 at night, y'all. Weird. I'm just like, man, there's no way that's the Lord. So it just kept going. So I said, all right, fine. I get in my truck and I'm, I drive to the land and that's all the way across town. I live on this side of town. So I get there and I still don't know why I'm going. Just I feel like the Lord telling me to go. And so I didn't ask questions. I went. Okay, I lied. I asked a lot of questions, but eventually I went and I didn't have no answers. Okay. So I get, I get there. I park in Cart Ranch's parking lot and I feel like the Lord tell me go walk on the land. Now there's fence around this land. So technically the Lord told me to trespass. So I went, I went around, I went around and I got on the land and, um, I'm standing there and I'm like, all right, this is, this is sure a crazy story. I hope it has a good ending to it. You know, either that or I'm really weird right now. So I'm standing on the land and I had flip flops on and the Lord puts this, the scripture on my mind about where, where God says, take your, take, take off, loosen your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. And so I did that. I took my flip flops off. I stood there. And I opened to that scripture in my Bible. I peeled some grass out. I bookmarked it in grass, closed it. And I just said, Lord, I don't know why you got me here, but I'm here. And I said, just whatever your will is for, for me being here, I, I just I just pray that that would happen. Now, a couple of days before this, I made phone calls all over just to get prices. I didn't say anything to this guy about how high he was or how in comparison to any other land, anything like that. And so the next day I'm driving, you know, um, I went home and this is the day after I went and stand on the land to pray. So I, you know, I'm driving. I don't remember what I was doing, but my phone rings. I answer the phone and I hear somebody say, uh, Brady, this is this is Craig Turner. And that, that's the, the man who owned the land that I went stand on. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I wonder if he saw me standing on his land trespassing or, you know, I didn't know what this was fixing to be. This is what he tells me. He says, Look, you know, I was I was just doing some thinking and I like your dad and you. We met him briefly. We met all the other landowners, too. He said, you know, I I want you guys to have that land. I'm going to come down about twenty thousand dollars. I called my dad. I said, you're not going to believe this. He said, what? I told him about me going to stand on a property and I told him about the phone call. He's like, you're kidding me. I said, no, my dad owns that property today. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And, you know. When you invite God into anything in your life, you don't have to fabricate a story. You don't have to make anything up. He's that good. He does it. He gives you the story. And you know how many many times I've told that story to, to businessmen who don't know the Lord? And that just, bam, that opens up conversation right there. 
That's practical evangelism. I didn't knock on anyone's door. I just asked the Lord to just come into my daily life. I invite him in even things that look small. And sometimes when he asks me to do some weird stuff, I do it. And he always comes through, you know. So that's what I mean when I say if we invite Jesus into our daily lives, he'll give us a personal testimony to share. Okay, but you got to plug into him. He's the vine. We're the branches. If I get one thing across tonight, well, I hope I get more than one thing across tonight. But if I do get one thing across, that's got to be it right there. You got to stay plugged in to the Lord. Okay, let's move on. Uh, We must understand evangelism is a supernatural thing that takes place naturally. Right. Supernatural thing that takes place naturally. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Right. Isn't that crazy? These guys were unschooled, ordinary men. And these Pharisees, who were the highest educated people around, were astonished because he had been with Jesus. Point number two there is the Holy Spirit will guide your conversations. When you're talking with people, it's a supernatural thing because you'll be having a conversation with somebody and Jesus might just come up. You didn't plan on that to happen, but you're just open to it happening. And so before you know it, you're witnessing to somebody about Jesus. You didn't plan on that. You look back and you think, golly, the Lord used me. I didn't even know it. Right here in John 14, verse 26 and 27, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, right here, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, when we fill up with the presence of God, when we read our word, right here he says, I will teach you all things. You know, when you read, when you just read the Bible just to read the Bible, or when you read the Bible, And allow God to speak it to you. When the author of the Bible teaches it to you, it's a totally different thing. Right? Some another place in the Bible says the word is written on your heart. And and not just do you read it that one time, right here. I will and I will remind you of everything I've said to you. Jesus says, I'll remind you of those things. Mid-conversation. Bang, a question will come up. Man, the Lord will remind you of something you haven't read in a year. You know what might Let's say you're doing the one-year Bible, and it's year 300, or day 355. It's like, oh, man, that was in day one. Doesn't matter. The Lord will remind you, you know. Um, I have another little story about about something like that. And the Holy Spirit will, he'll prompt you and and guide that conversation, too. Uh, This is going to be a good story. Um, Okay, so in college, you know, I talked about, I used to take a lot of classes that were, philosophical classes. This is after I was a Christian. They were philosophical classes and um, mostly taught by either atheists or Buddhists. I don't know why, but most of them were atheists or Buddhists. And this one class, um, it was a it was a controversial topics class. That's what it was on. And they would pick up controversial topics. Well, one of the controversial topics was Westboro Baptist Church. Have you all ever heard of them? Westboro Baptist Church? That's how you don't do evangelism. Right there. That's how you don't do evangelism. Right there. Those guys, let, let me not get on a, a rabbit trail. I can't, that, those are anti-evangelists is what that is. Um, so anyway, one of the controversial topics in this class was Westboro Baptist Church. 
And so I'm the only Christian in the class, only Christian. And guess what they titled it? Christianity. So controversial topic, Christianity. And the atheist professor puts up Westboro Baptist Church. And so I'm sitting there while we had to watch a 30-minute to an hour documentary on Westboro Baptist. And my heart is breaking because, number one, a lot of what they're using is, is totally out of context. See, what they'll do is they'll take scriptures and preach hate totally out of context. And, man, it, it destroys people. You know, it makes, it makes people want nothing to do with Jesus. And that, are, that right there, that's a result of somebody who knows a lot about the word of God, but they don't know God. They don't know God. And so what, and, and I don't want to get on a tangent about Westboro Baptist, but anyway, can't stand those guys. I hope they listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so we're sitting there and, and my heart is just breaking. It's because, man, this is why people are, are being pushed away from Christianity in colleges is because it's being misrepresented. And so at the end, you know, we had some discussion time and I was taking as much notes as I could because everything they misused, I wanted to put back in the context. And I did that for the most part. And I mean, I had a whole class of people, you know, that, you know, that, that show, uh, God's not dead. That was happening. I didn't even know that show was coming out. And that was what was going on with me in college. And so I leave and there's this guy and he was the most adamant. He couldn't stand, man. He was just on me like white on rice, y'all. And so we get out, we get outside and, um, have y'all never heard that before? White on rice? Oh, cause that's a, that's an old, that's an old thing. Okay, good. Okay. Well, I'm glad to bring it back. I'm glad to bring it back. Um, okay. So anyway, we get outside guys and, um, this guy comes up to me and he's just still, man, he ain't letting up. And so I turn around and by this time I had read a couple of theological books and a couple, um, apologetics books and. You know, I knew I could beat him in an argument. And so he'd bring up a point and boom, I would just hammer that argument. And he'd bring his best point and boom, I would hammer that argument. And we were just going back and forth. And man, I was just like, yeah, I'm winning this argument. I'm winning this argument. And all of a sudden, bang, the Holy Spirit convicts me. Pop. And he goes, are you trying to be right and win the argument? Or are you trying to win souls? Guys. When that happened, talk about bring me to tears because I was doing the same thing that the Westboro Baptist people were doing. I was just winning the argument. I wasn't concerned about this guy. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about that. Man, I know. Him. So anyway, I eventually looked at him and said, you know what, dude, I just got convicted, man. And I said, and the God you don't believe in just, just spoke to my heart. And I told him, I apologize. It's not about being right. I said, the reality is you want to believe in God, but you're mad at him for some reason. And I don't know why. And like the Lord was giving me this, you know, I said, you're mad at him for some reason. And I don't know why you're mad at him. But can I tell you, he's a loving God. And I don't know what happened, but I can guarantee you whatever it is to hurt you. He didn't want that. And so he asked me, he started asking me, what about, you know, he started asking me about the, the bad things in the world. And what about this? And what about this? What about this? And I didn't know how to formulate it. And the Lord just gave me what to say. I said, you know, man, what you're wanting, you're angry about all these things. And what you want is is you don't want pain, bro. You, you don't want pain. You don't want sadness. You don't want dishonor. You don't want un, unjust circumstances. That's what you're mad at. You don't want sorrow, broken hearts, people, 
you know, good, bad things happening to good people. You don't want any of that. Let me tell you what you want. You want a place that none of that exists, and that's heaven. And there's a way you can get there, and his name's Jesus. But because you're angry at him, you don't want to talk to him. And so I just said, you know what, dude? And after, after I said that, he just went blank. And I didn't do any of the work. That was all the Holy Spirit just just feeding, feeding, feeding me words, feeding me words. I didn't know the next word. I didn't know the next word. And, you know, if it wasn't glorifying the Lord right now, the Holy Spirit probably wouldn't, given, wouldn't be giving me this story to tell you because it's not about me. It wasn't, and you know what? When it is about me, it bears no fruit, like the beginning of that conversation. bears no fruit. So stay focused on the main goal, okay? Getting people into their own relationship with Jesus, that's the main goal. That's the main goal. That's what makes evangelism so easy. The goal isn't to create followers for you, like I was in, you know, unknowingly doing. You know, the goal is not to create followers for you. The goal is to create, you know, create a relationship or an opportunity for a relationship between Jesus and, and, and people, right? John 4, many of the Samaritans from the town. Y'all remember the, the woman met at the well, okay? So Jesus meets this woman at the well, and long story short, she has an encounter with the Lord. She goes back to town, and she tells people about it. So Jesus evangelizes to this woman. Then because of her experience, like we talked about earlier, because of her experience, she has an experience with Jesus. She can't explain it, but all she can say is, come see a guy who told me everything about myself. And she goes to her town and says that. And so the people in her town are like, what, man? So they come to see him, okay? And, and so that's where this picks up. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They heard for themselves. You know, it wasn't a, a secondhand testimony. Somebody's testimony, somebody's evangelism led them into their own experience with Jesus and now they had their own, you know? So, you ever hear a friend say, man, I had an experience with Jesus. Anybody's ever had that? Maybe like a, a new believer or something? I had that happen to me one time. I've had a friend that I, I started, I used to, he used to go out every, every Saturday, and I, I didn't want him drinking and driving, so I'd tell him, hey, dude, if you need a ride, call me. And I'd go pick him up. And that's all it was. And eventually, I'd say, hey, dude, um, why don't you come to church with me in the morning? And he's, man, I got to wake up early. I don't feel like doing all that. Well, I'll tell you what. How about this? I'll get you some Gatorade, get you rehydrated from drinking all night. I'll pick you up at, we can go to the 11 o'clock service. How about that? Man, I don't know. About a month passed. I'd still pick him up from, from being out. About a month passed. He, he shoots me a text at 1030. Hey, man, I might come with you this morning. So I went and got him a Gatorade. I met him over there. He was super hungover. He got in the front seat. I handed him the Gatorade. He chugged it. We got him another one on the way to church. But he came to church. He came to church. And we did that for like a year. Man, did that for like a year. And next thing you know, he kind of fell off the wagon again. And that went on for quite a while. But eventually, he came here, kind of 
I could see like something was a little different. Boom, he walked up and got saved. Blew my mind. And you know what he told a bunch of people? Bro, I, ha- I had my own encounter with, with God. It wasn't Brady. You know, it was, it, I had my own encounter with God. That's the best words I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's the best words I've ever in my life. And he's still serving the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's evangelism. And it was easy. And so how can we apply what we learned today right now in our lives? I'm going to give you all a couple simple ways. Um, I'm going to challenge you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a challenge. But I promise you, if you do this, it's going to bear fruit. Okay? I'm not just making this up. This is, this, now look, it's not a formula. Okay? God can't be put in a box. You know, anytime we try to put God in a box, we look in the box and he's on the outside like, what you doing? You know, he don't go in boxes. So, you know, again, this isn't a formula, but this, this is what I do and it works for me. Okay. Number one, spend just 10 minutes every morning worshiping God. Just 10 minutes. If you just spend 10 minutes in the morning, just worshiping God, start, start with, start with that. Next, 10 more minutes, just reading his word. Doesn't matter where you start. If you're not sure where to start, start in John. Just start in John. And just just read his word. Don't read it to cover 10 minutes worth of time. Just get lost in it. Set, let, let the 10-minute timer not be so that you complete 10 minutes. Let it be so that you don't go an hour and not realize it. You know what I'm saying? So, so do, just read his word for 10 minutes. And then spend 10 minutes just talking to God. Just being real with God. You don't have to have a, well, holy Lord Jesus. You know, like. Just talk to him. Hey, Jesus, what's happening? That's why when I pray, I always start, hey, Jesus, because I want to talk to him like I talk to anybody else. That's how he wants. He don't, he don't want religion. He just wants a relationship. And if you'll do that, that's 30 minutes. If you'll spend that 30-minute time span with God and ask him at the end, Lord, use me as a vessel. I promise you, if you do that, you'll be back here next week with a story. You'll be back here with a story. One more thing. Somebody told me this. Actually, do y'all know, um, I know uh, Eric and Jenny know Char- Charlie from Chi Alpha. He, he challenged me to do this. He challenged me to do this. And, uh, and I give him some credit. You know, I just heard a podcast recently, a guy say this, and I like the way he put this. I don't believe in worshiping people, but I believe in honoring them. And so I'm going to give him some honor here. This was great, that, you know, great little tool that he gave me, and it works. If you'll pick five people, just five people, don't tell them you're praying for them, but just pick them. Let the Lord show you. Maybe pray about it. Let the Lord show you five people. If you pick those, write their names down and just pray for them every day. Watch. The Lord is going to start working in their lives. You're going to start running into them. Something's going to happen. And you might be talking to them. An example of when I did that, it was a buddy of mine, Cole. He was going through a rough time um, with, 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 at the time was his girlfriend. And, and I was just praying for him. And, and I said, man, you know, I, I, he didn't know I was praying for him. They got back together. I said, wow, cool, dude. And that was nowhere in sight. You know, we didn't see that coming. Wow, man, I was praying for you. And they were a great couple, great couple. And so um, next thing you know, they're married. Now they're married. You know, it's just cool to have a prayer attached to that. You know, it's like every time I see them as a couple, it's like, hmm, I, I don't know what I did, but I definitely prayed for them. And now they're married, you know. So pick five people and I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. Man, right on time. It's eight o'clock. That's good. Right on time. Okay, anyway, I'll leave y'all with this before we close in prayer. Luke 10, 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city 
and place where he himself was about to go. So they went prepare away. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. Sorry. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. You know, right here, God is saying the harvest truly is great. There's a lot of people out there that need to be saved. That's what he means. The harvest is great. People need to need to know Jesus all over the place. But the laborers are few. They don't have many people telling people about Jesus. And so then he goes to say, pray the Lord of the harvest. So the Lord over those people to send out laborers into the harvest. This is telling you right here. Hey, they got plenty of people that need to know about Jesus and they don't have enough people talking about him. And we got to compete with the Westboro Baptist people who are misrepresenting a loving God, right? Let's stand. Let's stand. All right. Let's go to the Lord. Hey, Jesus. Lord, we just ask, we just ask that you would use us all as vessels, God. We know that you want relationship with everybody on this earth. Your word says, your word says that you are patient with us and you wish that no one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And people cannot come to repentance unless you first draw them, Lord. And so, God, I just pray that you would use everybody in here, God, as a vessel for your kingdom, God. We can't, we cannot, in our nature, we can't naturally get people to you. But supernaturally, if, if you will give us the grace, we can take evangelism and, and just take that to a whole new level right where we are. Just like your word says, starting in Jerusalem, God, we'll start in Lafayette. Lord, we just pray that you would use us right here in Lafayette to bring a relationship between you and the people around us in a practical, genuine, and loving way. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that that. You remind us of things that you've said. You remind us of your word, God. You help us to be practical and relevant. Lord, we love you. We'll be sure to give you all the glory, God. We'll be sure to give you all the honor. And Lord, we just pray that this week we'll have testimonies on top of testimonies of just opportunities that you set up. God, set us up this week. And we just pray for those opportunities and testimonies to be able to talk about how you used us as vessels to reach people that don't know you. God, let our first motive be to just love people right where they are and use us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.